Hello and welcome to the second episode of United by Calcio, your favorite weekly podcast covering the best from Italian soccer. My name is Christian and I will be one of your hosts working with the best there is, Robbie. Robbie? That's me. He's so good. You have to say his name twice. That's how good he is. Um, Oh, yeah. So let's just jump right into it, shall we, Robbie? Yeah. Where shall we start? I guess you can really have your pick of, pick of the litter, but you know, honestly, let's just let's just start with a little Inter Milan action, shall we? The Milan Derby. I mean, it couldn't have gone better for an Interista like me. It it was great. It was great. Five one. I predicted a two two draw. I thought it was going to be a lot closer. Pioli got everything wrong, yeah. and it. It was great. Yeah, he did. I mean, that that was a that was a about as well of an execution for the game plan as I've seen. I mean, it just seemed like Milan collapsed completely. There was nothing. It's. I don't understand how. So that's Inter's fifth win in yes. the Derby this right. year in twenty twenty five in a row. They went five and zero. The Supercopa, like it. When you watch the Supercopa, you're like, wow, these two teams are on a different exactly. level. Inter, Nash and Pioli got a, it all wrong. And then, at least with the Champions League fixture, you know, you get the, oh, you were missing Leao. That's, That's right. fine. Either way, they're still outclassed them. But this one, you just think Pioli would have learned that you just can't play extremely offensive mm-hmm. football against a counterattacking team like Inter. Right. This isn't Bologna. No, no. This isn't Roma that you're right. playing. You're playing a much better team. And as soon as Inter got that chance, bang, they were on the break. Lataro picks out Dumfries out of nothing. His back's 20 yards from half his in his yeah. own half and just fires him into a two-on-one. Taram just... What a goal. Mighty goal. Man, that was a goal right there i mean damn like he he could not have put that (laughs) in a different spot if he put it an inch to the left closer Mm -hmm. to the post it would have hit the post and gone out if he put it an inch closer to the manyan Mm -hmm. he saves it it's unbelievable how perfect that shot had to be it's unbelievable too just how far of a fall this was. Considering what we talked about last week on the first episode, we were just praising Milan left and right. Wow, how good they've been. Wow, this is a, a team like no other. They are just flying high like we've never seen them before. And what, what do they do? Face plant the first game against a serious opponent. And I mean, not just a face plant, but I mean, they, they five one. Like that's got to leave you with a bit of a sting on your ass as you're leaving the stadium, right? Yeah, I mean it was embarrassing. It, it. There's no other word to describe it. Just you. Don't get me wrong. We can't overreact and be like, "Oh, Milan are right. out of it." They, they are very much a good right. team. They will be there of at course. the end. And winning the title is all about winning against the non-major right. opponents. Certainly, like if it comes down to the final mm-hmm. day, yes, these matches will end up mattering. Mm-hmm. But you got to take care of business against the teams you're supposed to beat, and that's why Inter weren't a title right. challenger exactly. last year. Same with Milan, and that's why Milan won two years ago. Is they just found ways to keep winning games, and so this game, sure, yes, as an Inter fan, that's unbelievable, but. It's one game at a time, and you can't overreact too much to. No, this. I completely agree. I mean, uh, it would be it'd be very immature to look at this and say, "Well, there's a season for Milan. It's over. Pack it in. <laughs> just, <laughs> just give up." But it, it does sort of wonder because it brings up this familiar problem, and you mentioned this earlier in, in your earlier point. Uh, what is going on in this Derby della Madonnina, which it seems like Inter just 
dominating at this point. I mean, just not even dominating in like um, a light sense of that word. I mean, they are crushing the first of two uh, legs that they played in the Champions League was an embarrassment of a game. No, no Milan player showed up in that game. And then the second game, it didn't seem like anybody really felt any more compelled. And now you have this 5-1 result. You sort of wonder, at least I wonder as a neutral, non, non-Milan loving fan, I'm just thinking, is it Pioli? You know, is it the ownership? What is going on? It does feel like it's more of a Inzaghi knows that what Inter needs to do. He's just going to have us have them pack it in and not concede any real chances. And the minute Milan start pushing a little bit right. forward, that's when Inter strikes. And it just feels that Pioli hasn't learned that lesson. Like, all right, let's be more reserved instead of being so outright attacking. And we love attacking <laughs> football, but you got to be smart about it. You can't just play into Inter's exactly. hand. And that's exactly what Pioli did. He didn't learn anything. And at some point, you got to, you have to learn from your previous you do. mistakes. You do. And he has not. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next one. But we got a long ways. You also wonder when it comes to. What Pioli was thinking, the, the other thing that comes to my mind is why isn't he playing this Inter team like the team that has a good defense, right? This is not the Milan side that have kind of an iffy, questionable de- defensive line, right? So you can't just do what you were just talking about. You can't just constantly attack as if you've got no care in the world because you will get absolutely clobbered. And they, they did. They, they were clobbered. I mean, it was embarrassment. Uh, of a game. Yeah, I mean, Taram bullied like the defenders. Oh, absolutely. It like it wasn't even close. He bowled over one and just runs past the other, and then he lets one catch up to him, cuts to his right, bangs one side netting. Right. It's he was a problem that only you'd think Tamori might have been able right. to solve, but the red card suspension didn't. And with him out. You'd think Pioli would have been more reserved right. because of that exactly. counterattack that interposed. Didn't seem like that was much of a thought, uh, and it also just didn't seem like much of a the midfield made made much of an impact for Milan in that game at all. Uh, they were just kind of flat. They they weren't doing much of anything to keep a lot of those balls from coming in, and Inter was breaking through constantly. It, it just. Uh, when I saw that goal, I mean, by Thuram, that's both talent, but also what that tells me is it feels like it, it's also a questionable positioning. Where is the defender in that case? Perhaps putting more pressure, somebody coming up and challenging him, right? Granted, Thuram is a talented player, and that was a heck of a goal. Like, that was a golazzo right there. But still, somebody put some pressure on him. Yeah, as soon as that pass went past him, the Dumfries pass wasn't right. perfect. He had to recover, and then all of a sudden it was a one-on-one. You can't no, let him get that no, shot can't. off. You know he's cutting exactly. to his right. Everyone knows. Like, that's his only option or passing right. it back. So he takes the defender on. But, like, you can't let no, him shoot no, that. Or at least if he does, you have to get exactly. in front of it. Get a block right. on. And it's just just very, very, very poor defending. Can't say oh, incredibly. Enough. I mean, it just felt like at some points you're you're wondering if Inter could just keep scoring. I mean, you could have seen a sixth or seventh goal, eighth goal coming in there, and it wouldn't have been entirely shocking. Yeah, I and I mean, Mkhitaryan is ageless. <laughs> he just he just keeps he, he keeps playing yeah. well. Everyone's begging for Fratesi to come in and take it. Spot and he just doesn't no, stop performing. No, he, he the most uh, kilometers ran Wait, he did, in all seriously. of the Serie A matches. It was like wow, I forget the number, but I saw it. And he had the most um, kilometers ran, and I'm like, this guy just doesn't no. stop. And they're already like, yep, we're gonna want to extend you for next season. Yeah, I'm like sign sense. me up. Yeah, that's Absolutely. great. Why not? 
Well, you know what's wild is just again look at the this point that we were, you know, were just briefly discussing before before we recorded. Possession in that game was sixty percent Milan and forty percent Inter, right? You'd think based on that alone, you're like, well, Milan is dominating possession, so what's going on there, right? That, that kind of raises some flags. And you consider the number of passes: five twenty-six for Milan and three forty for Inter. Milan's pass accuracy was 90% compared to Inter's 82%. You consider those numbers and you're, you're, you're kind of scratching your head, right? What that tells you is that is Inter was just doing such a good job of counterattacking, exploiting every single possible lane, and they capitalized every single time. Yeah, Milan were just moving it side to side, making smart little short right. passes. That's what the 90% right. comes from. Like, you just make easy passes that are just mm-hmm. a pass to pass. Um, and sometimes that's fine. It moves the defense. It creates exactly. openings. But it just didn't help them no, in this no, game. It, it They needed more direct passing, like finding a way to get Giroud involved. Absolutely. And when you look at the like expected numbers, like the 14 to 9 in shots for yeah. in favor of Inter, and like all those stats you just said, you'd be like, oh, well, Milan definitely Absolutely. won because of right. that. And then all of a sudden you just look 14 shots, seven on target for Inter, nine shots, two on target for mm-hmm. Milan. Expected goals, 2.65 yeah. to 1.06. Isn't that wild? So it's just like, yeah, like Inter created chances and then finished those chances while Milan created few chances and scored on one. Leal is going to lay out. <laughs> right. Well, that, that's. But that's the thing. Go ahead. Like if Le- you know Leao is gonna right. lay out and Teo had some great a mm-hmm. good chance, why are you being so I don't know the right word, but like so attacking when you know if you sit back, right. Inter will have to come out of that Absolutely. shell. And then you have the two best counter attacking exactly. players in the league in Leao and Teo. Like it's it's easy. It seems right, easy right. from the outside. <laughs> right. Clearly, Bioli is overthinking. Well, I feel like uh, part of that, too, is is the fact that Inter were actually playing that good, right? They, they were that good in that game. And it kind of punched Milan in the mouth, and Milan just never recovered, right? It was just that initial reaction, and they were just kind of woozy for the rest, for the rest of the game. Um, I think partially to your point, though, as you were just mentioning about uh, why didn't they just exploit some of the weaknesses that Inter do have, right? They are weaknesses there. It's not like there are none. So, like you said, it's smart to play the small pass game, right? Keep it simple. Keep it local. Don't try to do anything too crazy. Fine. Do that. But also, you once you get to, to a certain point in the field, you do need to start taking some chances. Because at some point, someone is going to land something. And when you're telling me that this Milan team has two shots on target, that just sounds unacceptable, right? It doesn't doesn't make yeah. any sense, and it just makes you makes you it's think about this team, the way they played even earlier against Newcastle. When you consider that game, zero zero should not have been the finish of that game. Nick Pope saved no. Newcastle for sure. That Milan missed their right. chances, but they played well. But that's a t- like so. I think that's more of Pioli's learning from right. the weekend is they didn't stretch themselves exactly. too much. Like Newcastle is a very counterattacking mm-hmm. team, and they created nothing. Right. There was barely a chance that they Absolutely. created, and Milan created a thousand. They didn't mm-hmm. score, but still, why didn't they do that this weekend? No, I mean there's no reason for it because you, you're totally right. Twenty five shots. For Milan, nine on target, six shots in total for Newcastle, one on target. So you're right. They dominated. This was their game. But they still didn't pull it. Still nothing. Nope. And the home games in that group, in the group of death, are what get you through. And when you draw on the road, that is also what gets you through. So massive draw. I guess for Newcastle, but that's basically a win. Oh, for absolutely, them. because they go back home, and now 
you have a much tougher road at St. James Park if you're Milan. It's yep. a far, far Absolutely. harder place to play in now if you're tied, right? It's anyone's game at this point. And now you're playing almost as if you're in a final. This is it. And that can go either way. It just takes one mistake. But before we spend too much time on this uh, Milan-Inter game and Milan's uh, misfortunes against Newcastle, let's uh, move on to Juve's game this uh, Sunday, past Saturday morning, rather, against Lazio, which uh, they dominated, I'd say. 3-1, good victory. Uh, good showing by Dusan Lovic. Chiesa again on the scoreboard. Or score sheet, rather, but... It was a good game. 17 shots on goal, seven on target. I will take that. That is a fine metric for me. I, <laughs> if I can get that every game, I'd be happy. My basic observations, we could probably still do a better job on defense. Um, I think that, that we're still very shaky on that front. And we took advantage of some gifts, shall we say, that Milan, I mean, uh, Lazio provided us. But what do you make of this? I mean, Dusan scored twice. Chiesa scored another time. Yeah, uh, I wrote in my notes, Juventus goes as Vlavic and Chiesa go. They perform, Juve performs. That's just going to be how it is. Those two are world-class players. They're the cream of the crop in Serie A. So if they perform, Juve will perform. And it really shows that, yeah, Juve are here to play. They're here to challenge for the title. They want to get back on that on top. Well, especially given the fact that, you know, Juve have now no European competition this season. Feasibly, that should make yeah. it easier. Because Inter, Milan are in Champions League. And obviously, so is Napoli. But, like, in general, they, this does give Juve an edge. Because yeah, every other team has to think about so many more games. It's just so much more – it's so much better for them. They can just focus solely on this and Copa Absolutely. Italia. While everyone else has so many more fixtures, it makes you have to rotate your squad more and less trainings and keeps your mind preoccupied on other Absolutely. games. And it's going to be crucial for Juventus, especially come down the stretch. These players are nonstop mm-hmm. playing. And it's unbelievable how little breaks they get. But for Juventus and the teams not playing in Europe, it's huge, that advantage. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it means the difference at this point is what we were actually talking about before the end of last season. When there was that, I mean, the season just couldn't seem to be getting any better. And <laughs> Vlavic wasn't scoring. Chiesa was sort of in and out of the lineup, still recovering. And I remember having this conversation with you. I just was wondering what in the heck is going to happen with this team. We just can't seem to score. And I was, if I, if you remember correctly, I was, I was begging some higher power to fire Allegri. No one, <laughs> I don't know if no one listened to me, unfortunately, but at the very minimum, somebody somewhere there told him, put Chiesa and Vlaovic together. And so far it's working out. It's it again. It's like the Pioli thing. It seems so right. simple, but for some reason they don't Absolutely. do it. It doesn't make sense. It should be easy. Play them together. They score goals. Exactly. Boom. That's right. I mean, they do play off of each other very well. And now you've got momentum heading into a, what can be a tricky game against Sassuolo. Next Saturday morning or afternoon, rather, at 12 p.m. So, like, that can be a tricky game if you're, well, you know, heading into it with your without your mind focused. But this... I agree. On yeah, the road. exactly. But speaking of Sassuolo, what the heck happened to them this past weekend? Because... Frosinone, <laughs> man. What a team. Man. Go down 2 nothing in the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Um... Pinamonti, what a player. Absolutely. Uh, and just not breaking. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when you just find a way to get back in the game and Mazzatelli. Easy. I see my boy Walid Kadira on there who played for Body, 
Okay, little shout out there to Body and Serie B. <laughs> uh, he just he just went to Frosinone from Body. Um, yeah, he scored. That's that's a big big goal for him. It, this is a bit of a shocking result. I mean, I really like Sassuolo's manager. I think uh, Alessio Dionisi is one of the one of the best young managers coming up in Serie A. Someone to keep an eye on. But it does sort of have me wondering if Sassuolo have kind of run into this wall where they've sold far too many of their key pieces and they've not developed enough uh, younger players to take their places. What do you make of that? Where, what's your take on that? Yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be they're going to have to rely on Lorient, Berardi, Penamonti. Absolutely. Just as with Juventus with Vlavic and Chiesa, the light version is Penamonti, Berardi, Lorient. That's right. They go as those three go, and they're going to need them to score goals. However, probably shouldn't be conceding four goals if you're going to go by those three. They can certainly score, but you got to sure up defenses. And a 1-0 and 3 start in your first four is definitely not what you're drawing up when you're probably looking at everything and thinking before the season, we, our goal is probably maybe conference league. Because that'd be something that's great for Sassuolo. Of course. They can get to see some European Mm -hmm. fixtures. It's kind of like West Ham winning the conference league. Now Sassuolo isn't West Ham, but still, that was their first trophy in forever. They've never really been Mm -hmm. in Europe often same thing and that's what's great about conference league is you get the mid-tier teams playing european fixtures that they never had before well that's uh that's where i see i, I agree with you that's where i see sassuolo in that european conference league spot or near there as well but i feel like i always expect so much more of sassuolo than sassuolo has ever delivered uh unfortunately yeah, it just feels it like you said. It feels like every year they're getting taken advantage of. Not really like in a bad way. Just their best players go on. Their coach Deserbi right. goes on. So it's they have to mix and match and replace all these guys that are leaving. And it's impressive that they keep mm-hmm. keeping on. They're filling in and getting young players who are great. Like Lorient is exciting. Absolutely, he is great to watch. Like. He scores goals. He assists goals. He's all over That's the right. field. And Pinamonti also has, I mean, came up through Inter. Great. Scores yeah. goals. Yeah, he does. And it'll be interesting to see how they go along in this season, if they can get out of this hole and get closer to that mid-tier, or if they'll be in a relegation battle. That's what always concerns me with them uh, in general. It feels like ever since... They lost Skamaka, and they they really just kind of lost that presence up front, right? I mean, Skamaka was a big presence. He might not have not have had that big of a an impact at West Ham. End up ends up coming back to Italy, going to Atalanta, but he's doing well there. He's he's back to life. It looks like. Uh, and speaking of this Atalanta team, playing against Fiorentina, losing three two, bit of a disappointment for them, I'd say. What would you th- what would you say? Yeah, I mean, we talked about it on the last podcast. My prediction was four three. It was going to be an all vibes game. Certainly didn't disappoint. Three no. two is exactly what you draw. Three first half goals, two second half. It was just an all vibes game. Lookman continues to yes, be great. Kuame looks good. Bonaventura is ageist, ageless. <laughs> yes, he is. He just continues to put in good performances. Absolutely. Um, Duncan also feels mm-hmm. ageless. I swear that guy's all over the pitch <laughs> every time they play. He's just all over there. And then Nuka Gonzalez is just so good. Yeah. Every time I watch him, it just feels like he's creating so many opportunities. He is the life of that team. Got an assist in that one. He is yeah. definitely that heartbeat. Just, really they cannot. I, I honestly don't think they can afford to lose him. Um, although they probably will, unfortunately. That's just the nature of, of, of their positioning. But 
Yeah, that's true. It's it's unfortunate. Um, you do sort of wonder at some yeah. point, uh, teams like Fiorentina and Atalanta, can they ever make that leap, right, into the top four on a consistent basis, right? Uh, Fiorentina, I mean, Atal- Atalanta has done this a little more often than not um, over the course of the last four years. They've peaked in and out. Fiorentina, not so much. What, what, you know, just to sort of quickly cover that, what, what do you what do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, they don't really have the financials to compete with a lot of them. So you're just kind of hoping that you have that Atalanta type run right. where you can get a good squad rotation, great coach, and just rely on that for year after year. And eventually, the bill comes due. Absolutely. And that's what seems like it has happened to Atalanta. I mean, they were playing PSG in a Champions League quarterfinal, semifinal, two years ago, three years ago. And so you would have never guessed that. If you grew up in Bergamo and you were think as an Atalanta fan, you would have dreamed of that moment. And I think Fiorentina, if they do things Mm -hmm. right, maybe down the line they could have that kind of fixture. I mean, I'm certainly hoping. I mean, these are two of the teams that I think all of us, uh, whatever whatever Italian team you support, all of the collective uh, Serie A fans want these two teams to constantly be at the top, constantly challenging the top four, top six, uh, because it makes for a fun season. That's the thing. Ultimately, it just makes for a very fun season. Um, and, and speaking of fun, yeah. I mean, and and maybe this is not, Maybe this is an understatement, but Roma clearly were having fun and they clearly listened to our podcast, by the way. I was a sneaking suspicion. Mourinho was listening to our first episode. That's that's what I'm telling you here. Uh, Believe me or not, he was listening and he clearly had them scoring seven because, I mean, that's the only explanation for this. Yeah, they just didn't let up early often and for the whole game and it just feels like whenever die ball is in the mm-hmm. lineup they are a very very different team agreed scores in the second minute scored in, i mean he scored in the 55th as well but he just he constantly creates scores and makes such a big difference Absolutely. for them that it, whenever he is healthy it's massive and it, that's what hurts them the most is it feels like he misses half a season mm-hmm. every year. No, it's 100% true. But, You're absolutely right. I mean, he he is a difference maker. Even when he was a Juve, I mean, he was a difference maker. Uh, that was never the question with Dybala. The, like you mentioned just a second ago, the, the real question with him has always been his injury history. And boy, does he get injured. He is almost constantly on the bench. There's always some sort of concern. And then you look at this game and you're like, what if, you know, what could be, what could have been maybe last season, right? Against Sevilla, if uh, there was a perfectly healthy Dybala who could have perhaps played the whole game. You think about those things. I mean, they went up one nothing because of him. So it's, it's certainly interesting. You can ask a lot of questions, but at the end of the day, you just got to stay healthy. And it's wild how often his name is on the injury report. And I, when you look watching this right. game, you, you just have to ask, is this Roma being this good? Is this what we think their optimal performance right. is? Or is Empoli just a mess? <laughs> I mean, 7 nothing is yeah. embarrassing. Yeah. They are in a world of hurt. They, have, they haven't even scored no, a goal. they not. Dead last, they, dead last. They have lost all yep. four games. They've conceded 12. So they conceded more goals in this one Roma game than the other three That's combined. Right. But they still haven't scored no. a goal. It's it's not like – and don't get me wrong, they had Roma and Juventus as two of right. their games. So that's – that, those are two tough right. fixtures when you're uh, like bottom five, six of team. Course. But like you had Monza. You had – Hellas Verona, those are games you've got to be more competitive in. And those are 
the games that keep you up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, I, I agree with you. Your point is to the extent that is, are we overhyping Roma? I think you're right. I think we are overhyping them a little bit. 7-0 isn't truly reflective of this Roma side and what they do in general. However, it doesn't mean that they're not capable, right? Because you look at that score sheet and you see contribution from all over the, the mid lineup. That, that's good. That means that you know, you've got plenty of players that should realistically be able to contribute at least every once in a while. The issue is, unless Mourinho can find a way to make that lineup gel, they could very well next week come back and lose to Torino 3-0. That's, that's a scary part with this Roma team. Yeah, Torino is never an easy game no. at home. And, I mean, like, Torino's home that that's game. Right. It's never an easy place no. to play. Juventus fan, you would you know that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't think this is what we're going to get out of Roma every week. I'm more apt to think the first three games are what they are. They're not this great top three, four no, side. No, not. They might challenge for a Europa That's spot. Right. But I just think top four, they don't have the depth or the health Agreed. to contend for that top four stop, right. stop, spot. And the problem for me is Mourinho was brought in to make top four. Absolutely. He hasn't done anything different with Roma than what was before him. And it feels like he's just kind of getting this skate, like skating by Absolutely. because he was a great manager mm -hmm. in this league before, yes. obviously for Inter. You know, I, pre I love him, <laughs> but... At the same time, you got to start performing. There's no more excuses. No. We're in what, year yes, three? that's right. Like, you, this is the year. But now we're talking about finances. Right. We're talking about, oh, my team's never healthy. <laughs> oh, I don't have the depth. And then just like, at some point, you have to perform. You knew what you signed up for when you came Absolutely. in. Absolutely. End of story. Absolutely. And got to stop giving them, like, the benefit of the doubt. Oh, 100%. I mean, I think he still gets so much benefit, uh, which is, I, t I think, to be expected. But I mean, at this point, this is job number four that is seemingly on the verge of ending in the same chaotic manner that, you know, it's just become customary of Mourinho uh, as of late times, right? Which is unfortunate. Uh, I also hate to see it almost struggling the way they are. Uh, I think everybody does. Unless you're a Lazio fan, of course. And speaking of Lazio, <laughs> they tied Atletico Madrid, just very quickly covering that fixture. I mean, that, that, that's a, in my mind, that's a good result for them. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, that's good. I mean, when I was watching that earlier, they were definitely getting, they were not playing well. <laughs> um, so the fact that they were able to get that equalizer late is, Pretty awesome. Oh, it works out really That's well for them. Up. I mean, they, they are setting themselves up well enough for the next, for the second leg. And you could feasibly see them perhaps sneaking out a 1-0 victory, especially against an Atletico Madrid that is, well, don't really play the most football-friendly tactic sets. Yeah, they love playing without the ball. Yeah. Also, um, I'm just seeing this about how I didn't realize Providel scored. So just a keeper scoring in the last minute is just you gotta love that. that is just you awesome. gotta love it. You absolutely gotta love that. I mean, when you consider that your goalkeeper has to oh. step up. Yeah, I just watched the highlight. That that is a class header from him. It wasn't like one of those corners yeah. that like oh it just kind of falls to him. But this is a like. An in-swing cross, just he makes an unbelievable run and <laughs> just picks him out. What a goal. He's been goal. prepping for this his whole life. He's been waiting <laughs> for this moment, man. He just ran around this field. He didn't know what to do because it went Nothing in. He's just like, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> what do I do with my hands? Help. 
So now I, I think we've covered uh, this past you know week and uh, the action from the Champions League, at least the beginning of it, uh, pretty well. Let's uh, let's transition over to what we're going to see this coming weekend, and then in addition, also what we're going to see when Napoli play Braga tomorrow at 3 p.m. and Inter play La Sociedad as well. Uh, let's start with those two. Uh, and start with you, Inter and uh, Sociedad. What are you expecting from that game? Three points. You three Agreed. points. That's if if you get three points, you're sitting pretty in the top of that group. Of course, goal difference will matter for where you technically mm-hmm. are in the standings for the after one game. But you Inter's at a different level of Benfica, Sociedad, and Salzburg. Absolutely. Every game I get. And like I said earlier with the group of death is, you know, you want to at least draw on the road. That's a victory in itself. So a draw isn't the end of the world, but you got to beat Sociedad at the end of the day. And winning the group means so much. You get the lesser teams in pot two. Of course, you could get unfortunate and get a really good team that just happened to come in That's second. Right. But – yeah, I get results, and Sociedad should not pose a no. threat. No, I mean, this should be a, a good, easy victory for them. Uh, I don't see any any reason why Inter, this this team that is uh, quite literally kicking the cover off the ball right now, cannot pull a victory out here, get the three points, and go back home, because that should be pretty much sealed. Once they go back to San Siro, that, that's the end of it. Uh, at least you would imagine uh, if they can pull a win out here. Uh, For sure. And it looks like we're going to get a Pavard debut. Uh, okay, that's, that's exciting. exciting. Yeah. And it looks like Fratesi is going to get finally get that start over Mkhitaryan. You know what? He, he's been also on a hot streak. I mean, he scored twice for the national team and then once for Inter. At the weekend, that is a that is a great pickup, man. You guys paid thirty five million for him. What a steal, in my opinion. He's so good. What a steal. Uh, moving on to the Napoli Braga game, I want to take uh, get your opinion on this, Robbie. What 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 are you thinking when you're thinking Napoli versus Braga in their home stadium? Same thing with Inter. You just three points that. Napoli has no business losing or drawing at mm-hmm. home to Braga. Portuguese sides are sides are hard to play when you're on the road. So in Braga, that's a different story. But this Braga team just lost over the weekend 3-1 to uh, Firenze. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell you a single person who played for <laughs> Firenze. But... You just don't lose to the, these teams. If you're Napoli, you're a pot one team. You go, you're at home. You are a juggernaut in this spot. Now Napoli isn't the juggernaut of the group because Real Madrid is That's in right. it. But you win this game. That's if you want it, especially if you're Napoli and you want to advance to the round of sixteen. You win this game. That's no ifs and buts. While I uh, I do agree that they should win this, I, I am a little concerned about Napoli's form. Uh, of late i i do agree that they should win this game this game is tailor-made for them to take three points and go back home however they did just tie against genoa and they've not exactly been playing the kind of inspirational football we were witnessing last season and it sort of makes you think what if Right, it makes you a little worried. At least it makes me a little worried that maybe, just maybe, they're lacking a little bit of that spark. Right? Maybe Rudy Garcia just isn't doing it, which you know wouldn't be shocking to anybody in uh, in the football world. But hey, he wasn't the most inspiring coach uh, hire of all time. But I I really no, do the think the bloody magic. Go ahead. The bloody magic might be might be wearing off already. Four <laughs> games in. Um, but also I just looked, this is actually at Braga. Yes. So still draw is needed. Absolutely. It is. Win is not as needed. I mean, of course they mm-hmm. want to win. A win cements them into the top two for sure. 
Um, Portuguese sides are still hard to play on the road. You'd still expect Napoli to win this game. They should win. They should win. But I am a little concerned for sure. So let's just, you know, let's just say asterisk next to this game. Hopefully they win, but if they <laughs> don't, let's just, well, I'll just say I was right next week. That's it. <laughs> um, that game aside, let's tackle this coming weekend of boredom that's approaching us in Serie A. Um, jokes aside, it's not the most inspiring week when it came to matchmaking uh, by any stretch of the imagination. It There's mostly games that you know you kind of feel like should go one way. There's some games that maybe are going to be interesting. Uh, something that comes to mind for me is a Napoli-Bologna game. I know it seems kind of silly to say that, but Bologna have a good manager in Tiago Mota. Hasn't playing really interesting football. And Napoli's not the Napoli of last season. Uh, you've got Lazio Monza. Whatever you can make of that, I suppose. I mean, Lazio's Lazio. Up, down, left, right. That's the team. And Monza just, you know, the scrappy little startup. Still here. They love, love punching above their weight. Man, don't they? They just destroyed it's us unbelievable. last season. Just destroyed us last season. What a start. But looking at this coming week, Robbie, what what do you what stands out to you? What what are some games that you're looking at and you're saying, you know what, this could be consequential? The game I would think is Roma Torino. You know, we just saw the Roma 7-0. Torino just won 3-0. Both against relegation sides preseason. My picks would have been Empoli, Salernitana, and a little surprise of uh, Udinese. Mm -hmm. Um, Those were the three I thought would go down. And it's going to be interesting to see how they react. Both are coming in on highs. Um, And, yeah. I would say it probably ends in a draw. Turin is a tough place to play. And I think Torino are better than probably people expect, I I guess. They're probably a top seven to ten Mm -hmm. team. Roma probably in that market as well. And I'll back Torino today or this weekend. I like that. I like that bold prediction. I really appreciate that. You know what? Since we're just sticking with bold predictions here. We're we're really just sticking our necks out there. How about we go with an Udinese Fiorentina draw? Zero zero. Nil nil. I mean, we are it is at Udinese. Right. So maybe it gets played a little bit more to their tempo. Right. Where they're gonna you know defend a little bit mm-hmm. more. But I mean Fiorentina are gonna beat them. I'll I'll take that. Yeah. Fiorentina. That's yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think I just, uh, just caused yeah. you a short circuit just a little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm so out <laughs> on Udinese. It just feels like they are so underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, They're I just agree. not I agree. that good. And I mean of course I don't think they are that good. I thought they were gonna get relegated. Still that's do. Fair. No, that's fair. So it's just it's eh. yeah, and like if we're looking at the other fixtures of if I'm looking at any upsets, mm-hmm. Bologna might get one against Napoli, right. get them sleeping. Um, three road games in a row for Napoli. Mm-hmm. Napoli's coming off the Champions right. League. We'll see how that goes. But it, again, we were talking about that advantage with Juventus. Right. Bologna has nothing this week. This week, they're sitting relaxed and they're already prepping for Napoli. Napoli's on their way to Portugal mm-hmm. as we speak. So, again, they'll have less time to prepare. Bologna or scrappy side. Ferguson looks really good so far. It'll be interesting to see how they come out. Especially at home. I mean, uh, that that is yeah. definitely a game that I wouldn't choose. I mean, uh, the Bologna fans are very passionate fans, and that stadium is electric. And... I think this Napoli side, again, still concerns me, and I, I agree with you that this game could very well turn into a Bologna victory. Uh, at worst, a draw, perhaps. But I, I think there's some interesting... There's a bit of an interesting matchup here with uh, Juve and Sassuolo that could 
proved to be a good matchup in general. We were just talking about Sassuolo really not living up to our expectations. Uh, but they're still a talented team. You know, there's still players on that team that do hold that, you know, Sassuolo banner proudly. Pinamonti is probably one of the most exciting prospects that they've put out in some years at this point. He's yeah, playing him, well. Lorient, and Berardi are very hard to contain. Right. They're going to create chances. So for Juve, they just got to defend well, make sure they don't concede too many chances. Absolutely. And then, like I said earlier in the podcast, just they go as Vlavic and Chiesa go. And they should be playing every game. Oh, absolutely. There's no exceptions. There's no Europe. They should be in every single game. Absolutely. Maybe if they get rest before a Coppa mm-hmm. Italia game or after or something like that. But that's – we're not at that stage no, yet. No, they not at all. They should be playing every minute. Absolutely. Maybe not every minute, but every game. Oh, they, I mean, they, they, they absolutely should be there. If they're there, this game should be um, – I could see a 3-1 game here again. Uh, Lazio, similar scoreline. Uh, Juve winning 3-1. And I could very well see both Chiesa and Vlaovic on a score sheet again. Um, they look inspired. I mean, they really just do look inspired up front. They're playing well off of each other. Uh, like, I will I will use your favorite word. They are vibing. This is total vibe football. Vibes. 100%. Um, there's the... Derby de la Minos in uh, Salernitana and Frosinone. Um, what expectations do you have there? I mean, I'm expecting a nail-biter. I'd go with Frosinone. That's a fair. Again, I just don't... I'm not a Salernitana no, fan. You know, Condreva's ageless. He just doesn't stop playing. Uh, but Frosinone just find ways to win. Absolutely, they do. Even when their backs are against mm-hmm. the wall, down two nothing against Sassuolo and coming back and scoring four goals yeah. is something no one really expected. Yep. And they're finding ways to get it done. I expect them to get it done again this weekend. I do uh, want to say before uh, is I expect a Juventus one zero one zero. I appreciate a nice the little defensive faith. away. Very little faith in me. I appreciate that. That's a win. Hey, I want a three one victory. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm I kidding. can't back Allegri to keep having offensive footy. That's <laughs> he is anti vibes. This is very true. Very, very true. Uh, at this point, if he keeps playing like this, though, I might just not get my wish uh, granted. So we'll see. Uh, let's uh, let's finish off with maybe uh, you know not so much uh, an interesting matchup as it is just a bit of a blurb we should cover inter and empoli i mean this game should be a, a total dismantling of empoli right it's interesting you're you got inter on the road right at a lunchtime kickoff right. which are always tough yeah. to play regardless of who you're playing mm-hmm. lunchtime kickoffs not ideal so it'll be a, now empoli are going to be coming into That's this right. game needing some, they need to prove yeah. something. They need to prove to the league. Like, wow, we just got shellacked seven nil. We need to make a showing while inter, you know, we'll see what happens with Sociedad mm-hmm. tomorrow. But if say they win, they're going to go into that game cruising and maybe half asleep still. So, it's up to Nzagi to really have that his team's mindset good That's to right. go. I still think Inter mm-hmm. to win probably two to nothing. Two two nil is my prediction. That's a good prediction. But I, this is a game that I would circle. Yep, this is a game that Inter drops points. That is that is what they do. I was honestly about to say the same thing. Uh, I actually see uh, this game ending up in a tie, one uh, one. Just this that simple. I think I think it's just going to be one of those games where they maybe Inter maybe rests a couple of their stars, right? I mean, you, you don't want to be gassing them this early in the season, mm-hmm. so you kind of throw your B teams, you know, air quotes B team uh, out there. 
they might rest Barella a little bit, you know, give him Turama break because I mean he has just been <laughs> everywhere on the field. I mean it's just been amazing. Might be a good time to like you know give some of these players a rest. That might end up you know creating a scenario where Empoli say, okay, well this is it, one one. So I could see that happening. That's probably my prediction for that game. I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, when when it's a lunchtime kickoff, you could tell me anyone's <laughs> playing, and I I could expect the better team to draw drop points. It's just it always feels like I'm waking up at six thirty a.m. Yeah. Eastern That's time, true. and all like the coffee just started, <laughs> and bang the underdogs winning already. It's just like, it is what it is yeah. every time. Well, I think it could be forgiven, but I mean, uh, th- there's, <laughs> there's plenty for Inter to play for at this point. I mean, not just this coming game yeah. tomorrow. There's also October 3rd, the second leg. So, you know, they do have to be a little measured because there's not much time between now and October 3rd. Uh, they do have to be mindful. And uh, with that, Let's transition to just a couple of quick points uh, we should cover before closing out this week's podcast. One, uh, just the story of Cristiano Ronaldo and Bonucci, uh, the Juve legend, Leonardo Bonucci suing Juve, each for different sums of money. What do you make of this? I mean, I never thought I would say I love Cristiano Ronaldo, but here I am. I love Cristiano Ronaldo suing Juventus for $20 million. Yeah. What a player. <laughs> That's the best contribution he's ever had that I've seen. That's unbelievable. You do have to love a little I bit of this, uh, this irony. Like he's just playing out in Saudi, Saudi Arabia and you know he's just still coming back to, to bite a little bit. I mean, look. If Juve owe him 20 mil and they haven't paid him, pay the guy. That That's just it. The reality is you got to pay him. And same with Leonardo Bonucci. I just, I just love that he makes an absurd amount yeah. of money and he's still trying to stick it to Juventus. <laughs> he wasn't. Feels like he'd do this to any of the clubs he played for lately, but it's just like. Yes, I love every second of he it. He wasn't too Just thrilled. Give me it. Yeah, I don't. I, we we were not. We didn't make him too happy there at the end. Uh, so unfortunately, it's creating a bit of a drama. I mean, uh, just uh, just to uh, not ignore Bonucci entirely on this. There's been a lot of questions on social media. I'm not. I'm not sure if you've seen them, but just a lot of questions swirling around. Essentially, a lot of Juve fans saying this man is not a Juve legend in any way, shape, or form. No Juve legend would ever sue their club. <laughs> I say fair point. Touche is what I say. Touche. But what do you make of that? Yeah, I'd be surprised if people would say that Benucci is a Juventus legend. Like, don't get me wrong. He's put in very good performances, but he still went to Milan. He celebrated. And there was always a controversy with him. Constantly. But he played next to Chiellini. And Chiellini's the legend. Yes. Everyone knows that. Like, so it's it's tough. He was always the second fiddle. He was never the top dog. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's, so it's, it's a fair point you make. Uh, I agree. I, I don't know if I'd ever consider him the same either. I think I think he he buried himself plenty playing uh, with Milan against Juve. That that celebration cost him a lot there. Uh, yeah, not sure he was ready for that one, but. It is what it is at this point. It was better that he leave than, than just stay here and take up cap space. So fine by me that they got rid of him. Um, but on that note, let's go to the very last topic, shall we? Just a quick discussion of the semi-automatic offside camera angles. I appreciate you adding this to our show notes, by the way. Thank you for adding this because I've been thinking about this for a long time. <laughs> what is your proposal, sir? Well, no, I love it. It's great. Like, I don't know, understand how leagues aren't doing semiotic o- mm-hmm. offside. Like, the Premier League is still drawing lines. Know, what are we right. doing? That's absurd. And then the fact that they had so many camera angles because of the mm-hmm. semi-automatic offside that they were able to tell, oh, yep, West and McKenney, we got the camera angle. You kept the ball in. Bang. That's, that's a goal. Right. Like, this is what we need. Why isn't there more camera angles all around? That's great. Like now that we have this, it makes decisions so easy. 
it's not every fan looking at one camera angle and being like, yep, one fan section says that's a goal. The other says that's not a goal. You are all yeah. dumb for thinking yeah. that. Like, no, no, no. Stop pointing fingers. We have the we have the information. Absolutely. It is correct. Like you see in the Premier League, people are they're drawing yeah. the lines. And I'm looking at this, I'm like, how are you drawing yes. lines off this one frame? Yep. I don't understand how you're just because now we're not even on no. the line. Like we're not even centered to exactly where the line should mm-hmm. be. So really the line is subjective. And I could be very wrong on this, and I'm but I'm pretty sure that is what they do. But I don't understand how semiotic matic isn't universal at this point. I completely agree with you. I mean, I think uh, I'm 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 on board with you. I'm hell. I'm on board with VAR entirely. Like VAR, I think is one of those things that fans are just like bellyache about. The reality is, though, it has provided us with a level of clarity, more clarity than it's cost. Okay. Uh, yes, there's been issues, That's of fair. course, but in general. A lot of these calls that would have been made wrong years ago and fans would have bellyached for 20 years about them, been like, remember that game, 1995, <laughs> this happened? Uh, well, you can't do that anymore. And in Serie A, and you're right about the offsides uh, example you brought up. In Serie A, when there's an offsides uh, call, you see the 3D modeling of that. You see the two players mm-hmm. presented to you on the field in a clear angle. So you, the fan, can discern this is why it's offside. The arm is yeah. over this barrier. That's it. Exactly. And pe- I, I think it's so funny. People are people will complain about, oh, well, he's only like <laughs> a millimeter right. off. Well, I mean, yes, it's not an advantage for the player to be a millimeter mm-hmm. offside. It's a millimeter. But it's sometimes, maybe. Um, and then that's subjective. Offside is not no. subjective. It's you're onside or you're exactly. offside. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It just is what it is. You're offside, onside. I do wish that when players were onside, Mm -hmm. they would still give people access to the camera angles. I agree. Because they do, like they were saying on the broadcast, they only show it when players are offside, not onside. That's a good point. Which I would like if they showed the onside cameras. They do have the footage. Like you just said, they do have the footage. It's not like the footage isn't there. So. It wouldn't be that difficult for them to to just push that out there. Uh, I think the the Serie A broadcast in general could use more tweaking. I think they're probably going to get that, but they need more work. Uh, I think the quality needs to increase in terms of the video broadcast itself. I think it's a little rough around the edges sometimes. But I think they're getting better. They're realizing that they have to wake up. It's the 21st century, the year 2023. You can't just keep on doing the same old things and expecting your league to grow. From an American standpoint, at least Paramount Plus is years better than uh, ESPN Plus. Oh, absolutely. That was awful. Wow, that was a... So Paramount is great. They at least give us pregame, right. some postgame, right. and they have people who genuinely care about Serie exactly. A. And that's great. They're not like prem heads talking about Serie A who don't know what they're talking about. No, it's absolutely true. But here we are. It's uh, the, the, Paramount Plus has probably done the most to grow this community in, in stateside anyways. Uh, and they've really, I mean, they're pushing the advertising for this everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they're, they're really starting to take the same approach NBC Sports did for a little while with the uh, game days mm-hmm. where they would go to different cities and, you know, get engage with fans. And uh, I appreciate that. We'll see where that goes, though, because uh, right now I think the Serie A rights are still up in the air for the next three seasons after this season. So we'll see where that goes. I'd be surprised if Paramount didn't win I that. I agree. I agree. Well, with that, Robbie, we are at the end of our second episode. We made it. We did it. We made it. Here. Thank you for joining me this week. Thank you for joining us this week, everyone. We appreciate you listening. And uh, let us know what you think of the podcast. We have a Twitter account. We've got an Instagram. We've even got a Threads account. We cover the gamut. We are everywhere all at once. Yes. Like, subscribe, follow. That's right. All of it. We will be in your earlobes, hopefully, next Wednesday again. So just expect to get episodes on a regular basis every single Wednesday. Thank you again for tuning in. Your calcio fit. That's right.
Robbie, you want to do the outro, please. Well, thank you for joining. And of course, Forza Inter. Let's not forget that it's really Forza Juve. Ciao, everyone. No, no, no.